all you have heard about old Narnia is true. It's not the land of men. It is the country of Aslan, the country of the waking trees and the visible naiads, of fawns and satyrs, of dwarfs and giants, of the gods and the centaurs, of talking beasts. It was against these that the first Caspian fought. It is you, Telmarines, who silent the beasts and the trees and the fountains, and who killed and drove away the dwarfs and fawns, and are now trying to cover up even the memory of them. The king does not allow them to be spoken of. Hi there, and welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. And I'm Kel. Thank you all for joining us today. Just a reminder that today we are talking about the fourth book in the series, Prince Caspian, but general, general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we tend to go on tangents and talk about other stories we enjoy. So that's probably going to happen. Uh, we'll be- do our best to give spoiler warnings if there's anything too crazy. But today we are discussing Prince Caspian, Chapter 4, The Dwarf Tells of Prince Caspian. Boy, does he. Uh, I, I can only assume that Arts the do. next chapter is the dwarf continues telling and the dwarf... I, still tells the story and he finishes the story of Prince Caspian. I mean, they he cuts off the, the dwarf tells of and just goes to, and this is the part where Prince Caspian goes into the mountains. And this Which is the part where Prince Caspian talks to these people. It's like we've we've talked about this before. He's bad at naming chapters because the dwarf is not mentioned in this chapter. Like C.S. Lewis said at the end of the last chapter, hey, I'm going to tell this story now. Like, I'm not going to tell uh, you that the dwarf's version. So it's like, why is he calling this the dwarf tells the story? Just tell it like the, the upbringing of Prince Caspian or something. Also, why can't the dwarf have a name? Like this is, this is a person. This is, he'll get a name eventually. Probably going to be something like fledge, but who knows? <laughs> that feels right. That feels on brand, but you know, stay la vie. So Chase, let me dive and give us a summary real quick. Once upon a time, Prince Caspian lived in a castle in the center of Narnia. Ah, oh, so sweet. His parents were dead. Oh, and he lived with his uncle and aunt who didn't, who he didn't care for very much. He really liked his nurse who would tell him about stories about Narnia uh, and all that. And about twice a week, his uncle would send for him to spend about 30 minutes with him on his terrace. And in one of these times, his uncle said that because he and his wife were childless, childless, Caspian might have to be king when he's gone. Caspian says he isn't sure about the idea, and his uncle asks, what more could anyone wish for? And Caspian says, for the old days when animals could talk, and there were naiads and dryads and flyads and ryads and, oh, sorry, and fawns, and when King Peter and Queen Susan and King Edmund and Queen Lucy ruled with Aslan and defeated the White Witch. Then King Miraz did not like to hear any of this, and he asked who had told him about these things. And Caspian said, the nurse did. Caspian stitches get stitches, dog. Uh, And King sent him away and sent for his nurse. He awoke the next day to find that his nurse had been sent away, and now he was to get a tutor instead. Caspian wasn't sure he would like the men, but a week later, he met the shortest, fattest man he had ever seen with a long, silvery beard down to his waist. His name was Dr. Cornelius. One day, as they were studying history, and the tutor was saying how Caspian's people were actually Telmarines, newcomers to his earliest ancestor, Caspian, the first conquered Narnia. Prince Caspian asked who he had conquered it from and if the stories were true. 
Dr. Cornelius told him not to say a word more because his nurse had been sent away for telling him about old Narnia. Instead, a few days later, the, the tutor said they were going to study astronomy late that night. That's not sketchy. He woke Caspian up in the middle of the night and he climbed to the top of the tallest tower to see two stars converging. Caspian remarks how they could have seen it better from a different tower, but Cornelius says this tower has six empty rooms and a locked door below it, and no one would be able to observe them talking. Again, not sketchy. Oh, sorry. Observe them talking about the old things of Narnia. He confirms that all the stories are true, that Caspian's people try to pretend it isn't, and he himself is a half-dwarf, or at least, you know, something like that. Uh, Cornelius says he is telling him all this because he's fond of the old ways and that Caspian may be king one day and could treat the dwarves and others still in hiding better. The tutor says how everyone stays away from the sea in the woods because they still remember that Aslan came from over the sea and they fear all the things they have pretended aren't there. After this, they return to bed, so no one comes looking for them. I mean, yeah, they do. It, I don't know, this, li like you said, naming this chapter The Dwarf Tells the Story is burying the lead, but is this, is this a Disney movie? It, I mean, technically, yes. But did C.S. Lewis invent the Disney plot here? When you Dead parents upon secretly, secretly the king, but doesn't know it. This yeah. feels like a Disney movie. It's, I mean, like I said, it is eventually going to be one. I mean, yeah, Disney purchased mm -hmm. the rights for a brief moment, messed it up, and then pretended they didn't. Sure. But, but all that to say, they, uh, you know, it's it is for sure the stereotypical Disney story, but you know Chase Prince Caspian lived in a great castle with his aunt and uncle, whose uncle was the king of Narnia. Miraz is his name, M I R A Z, yeah, and his Chase. aunt and Jason. His aunt Chase. We've talked about some 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 rough names. His aunt was called Queen Prunaprismia. Yeah, Queen Paraphernalia. Yes, Pruna. <laughs> propaganda over here uh is chilling pruna prismia uh and you know we learned that both his father and his mother are dead how don't know i wonder if that's going to come up later it could not important. Uh, not important might be very important actually tbd on that uh but he loved hanging out with his nurse who would tell him all these wonderful stories about narnia dun 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 not, but not just the Narnia. Narnia unit. in the north or different? Or Narnia for the north. This isn't the Narnia you know and love, Chase. This is the old Narnia. I like new Kanye. What about that old Kanye? You like new Kanye? No, I don't like new Kanye. I don't know. <laughs> I was to say. No, I, I'm disappointed with new Kanye. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. That's a different story. Um, but uh, he, you know, his aunt and uncle are, uh, you know, they don't have any children. And so his uncle, Miraz, is uh, saying, you know what, Caspian, I've got to teach you how to ride and use a sword and, and do things that kings do, because when I'm gone, you'll probably be king. Uh, and like Caspian's like, I don't know about that. Uh, and he's like, what? Why? Like, what, what else could you want? And he goes, what would I wish for? I wish for Narnia to be like the old days. Grow up, Caspian. Just yeah, honestly, it. you could have been king. Come on. Come on now, you idiot. But uh, Miraz uh, was, he was like, 
kind of only half listening until this point. And then he's like, wait, excuse me? What what do you mean? Uh, and he's like, you know, when all the animals could talk and there were nice people everywhere and there was all these magical creatures and the king just interrupts him. He's like, that is nonsense for babies. You like this is this is what he's like. Everything you said is only fit for babies. I would like to see this character played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> I can picture Will Ferrell bending down to a child saying, oh, man, I just wish there was magic in the world again. Then Will Ferrell bends down. You know what? That's stupid. That stuff, that's for babies. Who I do you think this is, a, is, this, is this Will Ferrell, like the dad from the Lego movie? Like, I have not seen the Lego movie. It's actually pretty solid. The, the second I've one gets that. weird. I've but, seen the end of the Lego movie. I have not seen the Lego movie. It's it's solid. I liked it. But um, so he, he he's like, stop thinking about baby things. Uh, at your age, you ought to be thinking of battles and adventures, not fairy tales. Uh, and Caspian's like, oh, but like all there were battles and adventures and all of these things back then. There was a white witch. And then he proceeds to give us yeah. a quick summary of Let the Let me tell you the story that you read on the last book real quick. Hey, remember how uh, there was a summary at the beginning of this book about the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? We're about to get another one in this book, like three chapters later. Uh, sure we'll get another one. Another there was a white witch. Now. She made herself queen of the whole country, and it was always winter. And then two boys and two girls came, and they became kings and queens of Narnia. Uh, they were, you know, Edmund, Susan, Peter, and Lucy. Uh, and they all had a really great time, and it was all because of Aslan. Uh, and like, it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for giving us this, you know, second summary exposition. And Naraz is like, who is Aslan? Who, who that? Uh, and, you know, the. C.S. Lewis interjects here and he's like, if Caspian had been a little older and wiser, you know, he would have picked up on the tone of Miraz's voice because it was not like a, oh, tell me more. It was like, who, who is this person that you're talking about? Like, it was a threatening. Stop talking voice. It was a stop talking. Uh, and he's like, oh, Aslan, the great lion who comes from over the sea. There's a giant wave that you surf over the top of. It's super dope. Uh, and the king is like, sail there one day. The king's like, who's been telling you this baby nonsense? This is ridiculous. And Caspian didn't want to talk. And then uh, Miraz commands him to uh, because he's the king. Uh, and Caspian uh, goes full snitch mode. Uh, he's Takashi six nine hardcore in this moment. Uh, and he goes, uh, the nurse told me. And you know, there's no way that could ever have uh, any repercussions. Uh, yeah, is nurse dead? Does she come back in, at any point later? It's a great question. We hope that she's just exiled, but this feels chance. like a get thrown in the river situation. There's a good chance she's dead. Was the dwarf the nurse, but he just dressed and dragged to tell them stories? Could be. I think he's too short and too scraggly, though. Uh, but basically, so King Miraz now goes, he asks some pretty legit questions, even though he's obviously like, you know, downplaying the significance of Narnia. Um, and he's, you know, doesn't want to hear about these quote, silly stories again. Uh, he's obviously an oppressor, but he's like, how in the world could you ever have two Kings at the same time? That doesn't make sense. There's like, there's like that. And Air? what's funny, that's True. a fair point, but that's also somewhat like, this is actually foreshadowing by C.S. Lewis. 
how could there be two kings at the same time? There will be. There will be later in this book, and you're talking to the two kings. You know what? That That's actually a fair point. That's a good catch. Well done, C.S. Lewis, for giving right. us one really good part of, C- of like foreshadowing. Man, it's almost like C.S. Lewis, the monarchist, really thinks that government needs a balance of powers. He could. But also, bring on the High King Peter. Uh, and so he, you know, he's doing these things. Uh, and so Miraz is like, you can't have two kings. There's no such person as Aslan. Uh, there's uh, no such thing as lions. He's just denying an animal. Lions don't exist. I don't even know what that word means. It's funny that like lions to them, to the Telmarines, I guess, are the same equivalent of like unicorns or like like mythical creatures to us. Where it's like dragons don't exist, Chase. So it's like Chase, you fool. Like uh, you know, leopards, they're not real. Bears, fake. There's no such thing as dogs. Horses, you idiot, you baby. You stupid baby. Uh, He's like, and there was never a time when animals could talk. Do you hear? And he's like, I'll have no more of this. And then he he turns to his uh, gentleman in waiting and he says, conduct his royal highness to his apartments and send his royal highness's nurse to me at once. And then that's ominous. And it says, the next day, Caspian found out what a terrible thing he had done. For nurse, not the nurse, not nurse, whatever, for nurse had been sent away without even being allowed to say goodbye to him. And he was told to have, he was to have a tutor. Gotta love uh, that her name is her profession. That's not lazy at all. No, uh, that's why I name all of my dogs dog. Uh, humans are just man, woman, boy, girl. You know, that is how they, that is how they operate. Get over him, Me. boy. Boy. Uh, but... So his nurse uh, hopefully gets exiled, probably is at the bottom of the Great River. Who knows? Um, and, Caspian, and Caspian, yeah, doesn't matter. She's uh, you know, irrelevant. Uh, she, you know, it, it is what it is. But Caspian is told that he's going to have a tutor. Not like a tutor Elizabeth the first, but a tutor. Someone who is going to teach him all the things of the world. And he's sure that he's going to hate his tutor. But Chase, wouldn't you know it, when the tutor arrives, He's not hateable. He's actually just short and fat. Everyone knows that it's impossible to hate short, fat people. That's why Danny DeVito is popular. Like, you know, that's, it's just, it's perfect. But like, also, he says he's the shortest, fattest person he's ever seen. At the beginning of this chapter, there's a picture. They're standing at like the same height. Like, come, like. He's never seen children before. But also like, if he he he's we'll, we'll we'll learn later that he's not full dwarf. He's just partial. He's like a half dwarf at most, or like partial blooded dwarf. But like he's he's still at least tall enough to be considered a human by people who hate non humans. So he's probably like Scott's height. <laughs> Man, Scott, if you're listening to this, I doubt you are. I, uh, I doubt he is too. If he is. Shoot me a text. <laughs> Say what's up, bro. Uh, but um, yeah, he's I'm I so like he's got to be just like low five foot, you know. Like he's a short dude, but like shortest is got to be like exaggerating this a little bit. I mean, maybe what throws me off is fattest. Like this is the fattest man Caspian has ever seen. 
maybe the Tumarines are all in really good shape. And so he's just like, if he's slightly overweight, then he's super fat to them. They're just real deep in model culture. I see. They're, yeah. they're, they're basically, the Tumarines are basically just like the Germans. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy, he's got like 2% body fat. He's, <laughs> he's, he's pudgy. <laughs> That's oh god! What's that comedian that you're doing the voice of right now? Flula Borg. Yeah, Flula Borg. Yeah, is it's a heated mess when it's a mess that when heat is applied, it becomes messier. Anytime Flula Borg talks to Conan O'Brien is is the best time. It's so good. He he does a bit, and I I'm not I'm not like entirely convinced that like the Telmarines aren't the Germans because of their conquering nature uh, in their uh, you know. The like, like if this is an allegory for like Nazi Germany as well, like it easily could be. Yeah, uh, but uh, he make, he's talking to Conan. Poland could be. Uh, he goes. Uh, they're like, do you ever get offended that you know Germans always get cast as the bad guys uh, in like in movies? He's like, no. Have you heard of German history? We are very good at being bad guys. <laughs> so we are offended when we are not the bad guys. <laughs> it's like who's who is better than us? But uh, fair point. He he raises a good point. But all that to say, Doctor Cornelius, the the name of this of this tutor, super fat, super short. Uh, but he has very wise, very he he was he he was kind looking. Uh, he he looked very wise, very ugly, and very kind. This is just this what is I'm picturing story. right now is a garden gnome. I'm picturing a garden gnome. I have multiple garden gnomes in my backyard right now. Dr. Cornelius, the garden gnome. Uh, sounds like he is shaped and looks like a garden gnome. Yeah. Short, fat, long beard down to the waist. Kind of jolly looking. Gnome. Yeah. Very jolly, very kind eyes. Yeah. Holding but, a fishing yeah. pole or maybe a sign that says, welcome to my garden. Yeah. You know. Or in it my is. case, a hook'em yeah. sign because it's a longhorn gnome. Or, or like gnome is where your heart is, uh, or yes. something like that. Uh, welcome gnome. Um, insert home gnome pun here. Uh, but Caspian uh, realizes that he actually really enjoys his lessons with Doctor Cornelius, especially history, because up until then he'd only heard like you know partial stories from his nurse. But now from Cornelius. He's actually going to learn history where then, you know, he they first introduced that, you know, the Telmarines and his his uh, his ancestor, Caspian's ancestor, Caspian, the first uh, who first conquered Narnia. It was actually not from Narnia. They're from Telmar, uh, a land far beyond the Western mountains. Where is it? Don't matter. Doesn't matter to this story. It just they're not from Narnia. Look it up on a map. Who knows where it is? Uh, but it, it's interesting that this is the first this is the first time that uh, C.S. Lewis has acknowledged that school could be a good thing. Yeah. It's like, hey, education, actually pretty decent. The past few books, I've only hated on it. And even at the beginning of this book, I kind of hated on it. But, you know, learning things, important. In this case, the person is doing the job that C.S. Lewis has. Because C.S. Lewis, I mean, he worked at Oxford, uh, but he was essentially an English tutor. He would, like, basically do like one-on-one lessons rather than like he wasn't like teaching a classroom right and so maybe he just you know appreciates that you know one-on-one like intimate learning vibe uh but dr cornelius tells him partial history of of telmar 
and tell and the Telmarines and Narnia and uh, you know how uh, Caspian the first is actually called Caspian the Conqueror uh, because he conquered Narnia and he's like, well, who lived in Narnia before we came out of here? And he goes, no, he conquered no, no one. Don't no ask. Men. That's not your story. Actually, that that's what Aslan would have said. He says no men or very few lived in Narnia, and then he's like, well. If very few people is in it, who did who did they conquer? And he's like, whom, not who. Maybe it's time to you know correct your your grammar. Maybe we could work on grammar, not history. And he's like, oh, oh well, you're right. These are Germans. Yeah, the Germans, uh, the grammar Nazis. <laughs> yes, that was the joke I was making. There you go. I like it. Uh, but he goes, Caspian's like, fine, please, please, please. Like, if there wasn't a battle, like. Why is he called Caspian the Conqueror if there was no one to fight? And then the doctor's like, I said there were very few men in Narnia looking very suspicious and strange at Caspian. And, and Caspian's like, out the window with a wistful glance. Yes. It, through his half moon spectacles. Yes. Uh, He's actually, a miniature Dumbledore. Just a shorter, fatter, uglier Dumbledore. <laughs> so basically, Dumbledore, but way worse. So it is what it is. But he so Caspian's like, do you mean that there were other things like in the stories that there were? And Doctor Cornelius is like, hush, shut your mouth, not a word more. Don't you know that your nurse was sent away for talking about these things? If you didn't want Caspian to ask questions, and you're worried about him learning this stuff right now, why are you bringing these things up? Yeah. Also, how was there any way to teach history otherwise? It's it's like. I'm like he's doing two things here. He's one, he's like trying to plant seeds so that you know Caspian is like, oh wow, like you're gonna tell me the real stuff. But also he's getting mad at him for learning the real stuff. It's like you you can't do both, you know. This is called gaslighting. And it's yeah. one of the steps in the process of radicalization, which is what's happening to Caspian right now. This man has come into this kid's life and is radicalizing him. That is fair because who's going to be the king of the rebels? Caspian, not the conqueror, the child. So it is what it is. But he goes, not a word more. It's we're not going to talk about grammar. Uh, and so now Caspian's like, whatever. Um, yeah, and sucks. people who study English and literature, they're the worst, says the says the English writer and teacher, uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, but uh, Caspian was pretty sure that Dr. Cornelius was going to he wouldn't have said as much if he wasn't going to tell more sooner or later. And in that, in this truth, he was not disappointed. Uh, and so we we learn from Dr. Cornelius that uh, two stars, planets something tarva and a lambil uh they're going to pass within one degree of each other uh, and it's going to look like they're colliding and it hasn't happened in 200 years and it won't happen for 200 more uh, and so he's like hey uh, you know come you know come i'm gonna wake you up in the middle of the night uh just me by myself i'm gonna go into your room wake you up and i'm gonna take you to this secluded area so that we can see this uh this astrological occurrence uh yes the convergence does this sound the plot of Thor Dark World? Ah, yes. Also, Chase, this sounds so sketchy to me. Like oh, yeah, I very sketchy. You. The man coming into your room at night, waking you up and leading you off into the most secluded part of the castle. Where no one could hear you scream. I mean talk. Uh 
haven't seen flags this red since Uncle Andrew. Since uh, since uh, Mr. Tumnus. Since, like, way too many of the adults in this series. Every adult in every book. Why, why is C.S. Lewis adamant on making adults trustworthy who shouldn't be trustworthy? It was a different time, Kel. You don't understand. It was a different time when you could just, like, you know, sketchily wake up a young boy in the middle of the night and take him off into a secluded space and teach him things that he's not supposed to know. Back in those days, it wasn't kidnapping. It was just going on an adventure. Yeah, I was going to bring him back after I thought about it and cried a little bit and made the child feel guilty for you know being with me. Whatever. Not important. Don't not important. questions. It's not your story. Not your story. <laughs> so uh, he they now we spend uh, a couple several pages of them traversing through the through the castle and through the grounds. You know we had a we had a few pages of fishing last chapter. Now we got a few pages of them just going through the passageways, going up staircases and you know around turrets and uh, going through uh, different parts of the castle, climbing towers, going through doors. Uh, you know all the things that happen uh, and like. Caspian, he can't tell us that it's a large castle, Kel. He's got to show us by describing every single room they walk through. I, I guess so. You know, you raise a fair point. Uh, but Caspian does start to get excited because he's never been allowed in this stairway before. Uh, that's again not sketchy. Um, and so they begin going up, and he can see everything. Uh, and Everything was so quiet that he could hear the sound of the waterfall at Beaver Dam a mile away. Chase, it's still called Beaver's Dam, and they don't know about this? Like, how are you supposed to explain this away? There are no such thing as beavers. (laughs) Beavers are not real, you stupid baby. But regardless, uh, so they start looking at the stars. And Caspian, you know, they're getting closer to each other. And he goes, are they going to have a collision? Which is a fair point if you don't know anything about, like, astrology. You don't know about, like, like what the reality of space looks like. You're just, you know, seeing things. Uh, and the doctor is like, no, 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 dear prince. And he looks like he's going to give him, like, a good scientific explanation. And then he's like, the great lords of the upper sky know that the steps of their dance too well for that. Look well upon them. Uh, and it's just like, oh, nope, they're just... He's, like, comparing them to, like, roaming gods, I guess, kind of in the sky. That they're just going to, like, dance around each other. Um, And he's like, their meeting is fortunate and means some great good for the sad realm of Narnia. And it's like, okay. Uh, The Lord of Victory salutes the Lady of Peace. And, you know, Caspian's like, oh, bummer. We could have seen it better from that tower over there. Yeah, why'd you lead me up here to this more secluded tower when we could have seen it better from literally anywhere else? He goes, well, you know, you've seen what no man alive has seen and nor will see again. But I brought you to this tower because you're right. That tower would have been better to view things from. But this tower has six empty rooms beneath us and a locked door and a long stairwell. And there's no way we can be overheard. So creepy. Again, he's doing this for good reason. But we can't exaggerate that this stuff is not okay. 
Yeah, if we don't know the reason yet, then it's just creepy. And also, like, you're building bad habits. This is called grooming. It's not a good thing. Don't no. do that. Don't do this. Children listening, be careful with adults. It's okay to not, you know, trust people. Stranger if danger. If you're uncomfortable, say no and run away. Yes. Do, do as the Teletubbies do. Run away! Uh, before we get into what all the Dr. Cornelius tells him though. I am curious or I guess interested in the uh the stars being called the what Lord of Victory and Lady of Peace or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like the stars have their names. It really reminded me of Game of Thrones whenever the comet comes, like the red comet. Yeah. And there's everyone in the kingdom has their different interpretation of the symbol that's in the, in the sky. Some people mm-hmm. think it's Lannister red. It means that the Lannisters are going to win. Some people think it's dragons are coming back into the world, which is basically what it actually means. Some people think that it's the red of blood because the North is actually going to win. It, everyone interprets it to mean what they want it to mean. And, in a way that kind of feels like what Dr. Cornelius is doing. He's interpreting these symbols in the sky to mean that his victory and his version or idea. The victory of Narnia and the peace of Narnia are at hand. It's like what people do with the Bible. They pick a verse out and say, well, this means what I want it to mean. Instead of like understanding the context, which for stars, the context is harder to discern. And uh, yeah, it, like you could just as easily be a Telmarine and be like, oh, look, victory and peace. That means that we're finally going to be rid of the last of the dwarves because now we're going to have the Telmarine peace, the Pax Telmarine. Pax Pax Telmarine. Telmarine. That's and beautiful, I think. It's just an interesting dynamic that does not come up in the book itself, does not actually become a thing, but is a reality thing. <laughs> should be considered in stories like this of like uh, symbolism can only go so far yeah no that's a great point and i'm glad you made it i like that a lot i think that is important to like to have in the mindset of like he is definitely you know speaking things that he wants spoken right like he has an agenda here uh, and we'll get to that in a little bit again Um, he is radicalizing prince caspian right the future king uh and so uh that is uh like, I think that's huge because immediately after this, he goes like, Catherine's like, oh, are you going to tell me about all the things uh, that you you know didn't tell me? The other day? He's like, I am. But you have to remember, never talk about these things because it's really dangerous. You remember what happened to the nurse? And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Uh, won't tell us all. Uh, and then he oh, he tells him, you know, the, the, the chapter quote we started with, which is basically that like old Narnia is not the land of men, but it's the country of Aslan and all these creatures and beasts and talking animals. And um, the Telmarines have silenced all of these creatures and uh, they are trying to cover up the memory of them and the king does not allow them to be spoken of. Um, And Caspian's like, I wish we hadn't done all those things. Um, And like, I'm glad that it's all true, even if it's all over. Uh, and Dr. Cornelius, Dr. Cornelius is like, yes, good, good, good. He's like, many of your race wish that in secret. Uh, and he goes, why do you say? Throwing dragon banners and singing your house song. Yes, perfect. 
but he goes, why do you say my race, Dr. Cornelius? Aren't you a Telmarine? And he goes, am I? He goes, well, you're a man anyway. And he goes, am I? In Pulls deep- off Scooby-Doo mask to reveal the exact same So he discovers that, you know, he starts talking in a deep voice and he throws back his hood and, you know, he can, like, I guess, see his face clearly and none of the Telmarines could discover this, apparently. Uh, And he's like, oh, he's not a real dwarf or he's not a real man at all. He's a dwarf. Uh, And like, he's like, oh, he's going to kill me. Well, that's a bummer. Well, at least I've seen a dwarf after all. And Dr. Cornelius like he's just saying these things to himself. So, so, so you've guessed it in the end, or guessed it nearly right. I'm not a pure dwarf. I have human blood in me too. So he's part dwarf, which is why he's shorter, but also not like full dwarf shortness. Um, <laughs> this is the best part. He goes, many dwarfs escaped in the great battles and lived on shaving their beards and wearing high heeled shoes, <laughs> pretending to be men. <laughs> like, all right, boys. Like, we've trained for this. <laughs> is is it a the Santa Claus situation where the beard grows at a rate of a foot per second? Probably. Uh, you know, it has to be a certain length. But uh, I just love that they're wearing high-heeled shoes so that people are like, well, that's clearly a man. He's tall. Like, <laughs> He's an entire two to three inches taller than he was before. I have no suspicions now. He's only like four feet tall now, as opposed to three feet tall. Like, definitely a human. So, um, he he goes, uh, you know, we have now mixed, like, there's dwarf blood mixed with, you know, Telmarine blood. And, um, you know, a lot of my, uh, you know, my kinsmen would probably call me a traitor because I have, you know, human blood but I'm still holding on to like all of these memories and uh, I'm still trying to do all these things and I have not forgotten, uh, you know, and uh, we're, there's a lot of people who want Narnia to be like it used to be. And this is where it gets really, I think this is, we talked about this off pod. This is where like CS Lewis, I don't know if this is intentional, but like, this is kind of a really poignant section where uh, Caspian goes, I'm it wasn't my fault you know and the doctor says i'm not saying these things to blame you but i do have two reasons to say these things one is that you know i've been carrying these things with me for so long only by myself that like i need like i just needed to tell someone but secondly like if you're to be king one day like you can help the old narnians you could be kinder to the, the things that I love and you could hold fast to those things. And this is just a really interesting section uh, because it's, it's recognizing a lot of like, you know, this is a big point in culture now of like talking through like racist history uh, of like going through like, like, especially like white guilt is a like as a common phrase yeah. here of saying like, well, I'm not the one who owns slaves or like, you know, I'm not the one who did is like, yes, for sure. But also like, you need to know history. You need to be able to be aware of these things so that you can make things better in the future. You can change things. Like you can help be a part of the system that is improving things 
and not just being ignorant of things and allowing things to continue as they were. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting dynamic there because I mean, the, the way that fantasy sometimes takes on different like races of creatures like dwarves and, and humans and uses those as allegories for races of people as in like black, white, like, and so on. It usually is a bad idea. It goes very badly and is one of the criticisms we often have, but it, in this case, it really does bring up some interesting, both nuance of the conversation and also some of the heart of the situation, like it gets past some of the like political stuff into just like the, oh, this is just a dude who really wants to see things better than they are right now. Yeah. And I like, like I said, I don't know if that was C.S. Lewis's intentional, you know, like desire here. Like if he's speaking to Britons and saying like, hey, like we need to be aware of like the things that we've done in our past. Cause you know, let's not pretend that Britain is, you know, free from a lot of like colonial, uh, like overstepping and, but like saying, Hey, you may not have been the ones to do this, but we need to be aware of our history so that we don't do the same thing so that we can still treat people with love and kindness and, you know, be better. Um, yeah, it really is. It's a fair question because even the dynamics of him talking about like the experience of being mixed race and how his own people might reject him because of that like that that is a real thing that you hear people have conversations about it i i I really do wonder what c.s lewis had in mind as he kind of set this up or if it was all just a weird accidental allegory because also it was the 50s and i doubt he was having these kinds of conversations i i don't see us lewis had any black friends maybe you never know but you never know but you can guess you can probably assume but also we don't know uh but i just I, I do think it's a really interesting conversation to have and i'm glad whether it was intentional or not that it's in here so that it can be discussed um granted there's a lot of problematic things that can come from this whole allegory and you know don't look into it too deeply oh for sure because it can go bad real quick right because you still get the you know who are the people who are dominant and who are you know meant to rule well the humans uh and in this scenario the humans are you know related to white people so like and the fundamental like issue anytime you do racial allegory is that someone is human and then therefore yeah, someone not is human. non-human. And Correct. that is so, the core of the problem. So this is this is an allegory that falls apart very, very quickly. But simply having the conversation of saying, hey, this wasn't my fault, I know, but you can do better. Like, that's a good point to start having. Um, however, you don't, don't look too deeply into this and say, this is a great allegory. And like, this is exactly how things are. Nope, it's not. Um, but all that said, to get back to the story, uh, we learn, um, you know, that he's like, Hey, I want you to like, once you're King, you can be kind to people like me and you can gather 
you know, magicians and you can try to awake the trees and try to find people who are in hiding. And Caspian's like, do you think that there are any? And he's like, I don't know. He's like, sometimes I'm afraid there can't be because I've been looking for so long. And, you know, sometimes I think that I hear dwarves in the mountains and at night in the woods, I think I catch a glimpse of a fawn or a satyr, but alas, like I haven't really seen anyone or done anything. Um, but at least like, even if you don't find anyone, you can at least try to be a king like High King Peter and not like your uncle. And then he goes, so it's true about, you know, the kings and queens of Narnia and the witch. And he's like, yeah, all of it. And he goes, their reign was the golden age in Narnia. Yeah. So like everything yeah. went downhill after that, after that. Yeah. We had a solid 20 years where things were great. In the entire history of Narnia, there were only like 10 good years. We and had this is like life. We had the white witch with an eternal winter 20 years of ru being ruled by teenagers and then you know young adults who did not marry and leave us with you know any progeny then they leave anarchy for hundreds of years and then the telmarines conquer so narnian history is not great yeah i mean it's uh could argue that narnia is not actually a great place <laughs> You could argue um, it's it's tough, you know, but say la vie. Well, at least now Caspian can go on a campaign to make Narnia great again. He he can do that if he wants to, you know, who knows? But uh, he goes, uh, did they? Manga? Manga. Manga, I believe that that's pronounced. It's a, it's like a comic. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it is, what it is. but uh, he goes, oh, did they live in this castle? And, you know, Cornelius is like, no, like, this is a Telmarine castle. This is like a new castle. This is new money. This castle uh, was built yesterday. More or less in the grand scheme of things. And so then he goes, oh, like the castle was, you know, over by Care Paravel at the, we don't know exactly where it was, but it's down at the mouth of the great river. And he's like, oh, you mean like where all the, like in the black woods where all the ghosts live? Yeah. And He's like, oh, you baby, you stupid baby. Oh, you mean that haunted ghost castle on the coastline? <laughs> oh, that's where I sent my dwarf. Just kidding. It's where he will send him. Uh, but Cornelius is like, no, that's actually all lies. That's propaganda. There's no ghost there. That was a story invented by the Telmarines and, you know, your kings because they feared the sea because that's where Aslan comes from. So they don't let anyone go towards the sea and they've let the grow the woods grow up around that so that no one ever goes around there. Uh, and now people are afraid of the sea and afraid of the woods and afraid of ghosts. Uh, and we just let them, we just, you know, have allowed people to, you know, remain in that fear. And so no one like feels safe if they go that way. So they just ignore it. And that's safe and healthy. Yeah. It's super cool and good. No one should question it. No, no one should question it. And also, now that there's a deep silence because, you know, the conversation is over, Cornelius is like, all right, time for bed. Because, you know, if we stay up here too long, people are going to start being suspicious and they'll start looking yeah. for it. Did you not tell Very creepy. Like, did, did you not tell people that you were doing this, like, academic experiment with this child? If you were going to make it a secret the whole time, why did you have to call it an astronomy class? Yeah, it's super weird, like, because that, for me, would have been a, a super legit, like, cover story, been like, hey, 
we're going to wake up at like 2 a.m. This is when these planets are going to emerge. I want to teach him about astronomy. And they bet, okay, like that makes sense. Like he's got to learn about the things of the world. Yeah, no one would care. No one would care. They'd be asleep. But now it's like, oh, people don't know you're actually gone. It's sketchy. And the chapter just ends with them like going back to bed. Yep. Continuing the overall creepy factor of Dr. Cornelius. Which Dr. Cornelius is so, so on the nose, by the way. I don't think we ever talked about his name. Cornelius, Dr. Cornelius, that's just so... Old like, corny. Going out of your way to be like, what's a smart person name? Cornelius Fudge. Except Cornelius Fudge is not a smart person. Yeah, no, Cornelius Fudge uh, needed some help. He had some cool hats, though. He could have been the best... Ministry of Magic, but instead he was the worst. So, you know, congrats, Fudge. But, Chase, you have anything else to say before we dive further up and further in? I don't think so. Cool. I'm going to start us off. My further up and further in is the cost of knowledge. Uh, So sometimes in order to truly know and understand something, it comes at a cost, but that cost is necessary and so that you can see things more clearly so that you can have truth as opposed to living in a falsehood or a lie or, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, This is, you know, true in life. This is true uh, throughout, you know, history. Um, You'll see this in scripture where the more you dive into scriptures and the more you learn about Jesus, you learn like, you know, strictly looking at what Jesus teaches about, uh, you realize that, you know, we are so far away from uh, like being like good that, you know, we, we are so sinful. You become more and more aware of, you know, that, that has been like that we do and that, you know, the, the inherent sinfulness we have that we are in deep need of saving. So the cost for us is knowing our own depravity, that we need a savior. But the good news is once you know that you can call out to Jesus and you appreciate his grace more and more with uh, this story, Caspian learns about Narnia, but he one loses his nurse because he's a snitch. Uh, and then two, he learned he loses his innocence of Telmarine crimes. Now that he's aware, he can't forget that and he has to take action. But it's necessary that he take action so that he can be a good king. Um, you think about like Harry Potter, and when he learns that he's the last Horcrux uh, and that the only way to truly defeat Voldemort is to lay down his own life. But once he lays down his own life, he actually protects all of his friends and is able to defeat Voldemort. And so it's the cost of knowledge that is often quite high. However, it's a, it's a cost that you have to pay. You need to know truth because truth, to quote you know Jesus, will set you free. Uh, and so that is the, the cost of knowledge. Oh. For my further up and further in, I wanted to talk about the, this dynamic of the old versus the new. So this is a really common trope in fiction of the new ways butting up against, competing with, struggling against the old ways. This is the Game of Thrones thing of magic and dragons are the thing of the past. And the new ways, the, the political ways, the, the war machine ways are the ways of the present. Uh, what this is in a lot of these stories is an allegory for the ways new technologies and new ways of thinking compete and try to stamp out the older, more traditional ways of thinking and doing things. There are countless examples of this in our generation, and there have been the same sort of struggles in every generation before us. It's 
It's the friction produced by progress. And that's why C.S. Lewis can write a story with this theme in the 50s and still have a ring of relevance today. And that isn't uh, to pass judgment on the new ways or the old ways as better or worse in our society or theirs, but often the answer is finding a way to carry both forward in balance and harmony. Uh, but that cultural tension is going to run through this book, and, and it's an interesting piece that uh, really creates the plot tension. Chase, we have uh, you know snuck out in the middle of the night, climbed to the top of this secluded tower just so that we could have a private podcast between you, me, and all of our listeners. And uh, you know. This podcast, uh, you know, I, I'd love for it to remain private, but also, Chase, I kind of want it to be overheard. And so if you don't mind, I'm going to tell these listeners where they can find more of our podcasts and share it with their friends. But then someone might find us. But, you know, isn't that kind of the point of podcasting? No, this is just a phone call. Oh, you're <laughs> None right. None of these have gone on the Internet, Kel. This what is, are you thinking? You're right. My bad. This is not their story. This is our story. Uh, but. We can, if you like uh, you know, all of our podcasts, if you've enjoyed listening to us, uh, please go find us wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible. Go leave us a five-star rating. Go you know, leave us some comments, reviews. Come interact with us on Instagram at The Chronicles of Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any you know, ideas for the books, uh, anything that you particularly enjoy, uh, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, but in the meantime, Chase, it's getting late. And, uh, you know, I don't want anyone to find out that we've made this podcast. So let's just uh, let's go to bed. Good night. All right. That should uh, that'll that'll do us for the next few weeks. Yeah, we've got three weeks of, of podcasts on the dock. We just have to edit out all of Finn's noises. If he's even still in the backyard. Finn. Well, that's good. He might have gotten out. Oh, well. Who needs a dog? All righty. I got to go pack and do all the things. Sounds good. I'm going to find my dog. Have fun. Thanks. Catch you later. Have a good trip. Thanks, bro. Peace. Bye.